Hello and welcome to Our Music Oddcast. Today we're going to be talking about Morrissey and the conspiracy theory that he predicted the death of Princess Diana in his album, The Queen is Dead. My name is Kendra. I'm Olivia. I'm Lindsay. And uh, this is Our Music Oddcast, so take it away. Stephen Patrick Morrissey was born May 22, 1959 in Lancashire. His parents, Elizabeth and Peter Morrissey, immigrated with his older sister, Jacqueline, shortly before his birth. Morrissey grew up in Manchester, which was a huge influence on his lyrics, specifically the Moors murders, his unpleasant experience at St. Mary's, where he was viewed as weird and unpopular and a loner. Morrissey spent that time reading, watching old films, and listening to music. He was a huge fan of the Irish author Oscar Wilde. He was also a huge fan of soap operas, specifically (laughs) Coronation Street, where he sent a few scripts that were ultimately rejected. What? (laughs) That makes me really happy to know that. I had no idea. It's so funny how many people are like undercover soap fans. Oh, I'm not surprised. Like, are there even any on TV still? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. Like, just a few. Bold and the Beautiful. Um, Is that still a thing? Well, I think they did finally uh, stop one of them, but there's... I feel like... What was the one that was, like, really weird, and it had the guy who was, like, really short and the witch... It was really bizarre. Oh, passion. Passions. Oh, I don't yeah. think I knew that. I remember that. watching that when I'd stay home from school. I was like, <laughs> I what the hell is this? It's so bizarre. Also, like, The Price is Right is on right before whatever soap. And uh, in the showcase showdown, one of the prizes a lot of times was, like, you get a walk-on, like, cameo on the on the soap opera. Oh. It's, like, oh. coming up next. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> I just thought that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, he adored pop music, post-punk, and later glam rock. Excellent. He was a fan... Oh, he started a fan club for the New York Dolls when he was 15. A British fan club. He found his love for female pop singers after looking into the influence of the Dolls. And after finishing school, Morrissey had a series of short-term jobs before eventually um, living off unemployment benefits. He spent this time writing and regularly attending shows... After meeting guitarist Billy Duffy in the fall of 1977, the two started playing together in the Nosebleeds. They co-wrote and performed songs locally. After the band broke up, Morrissey briefly joined Slaughter and the Dogs with Duffy before the band moved on without him. Wow. I had no idea about that either. Yeah. I've definitely oh, okay. listened to Slaughter and the Dogs. I had no idea Morrissey was in that band at any point. He, I think he only recorded four songs with them. Okay. And then they went a different direction. That's so they kind crazy, of became though. a studio band, I guess. Yeah. I'm not saying that they were great, but like, wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Um, he became friends with Linda Sterling. That is Linda. I didn't say that wrong. Um, who fronted the punk jazz band Ludus. Through Sterling, he became acquainted with Howard Devoto, singer for the Buzzcocks, and Richard Boone, who managed the band. Morrissey's friend James Maker visited a lot of gay clubs around this time, and he attempted to make a career in music journalism. He wrote several short books at the time, including stories about the New York Dolls, as previously mentioned, and actor James Dean. And have you guys ever seen the movie England is is yeah England is mine, um, based off the early years of Morrissey? No. Okay, I, I just watched it. Um, not great, no. but, <laughs> no. but it, it covers this nice. whole yeah. time period because it's, you know, until he forms the band. 
um, good actors in it. So, okay. So then kind of moving forward a little bit until he joins this or, you know, starts the Smiths. He originally met Johnny Marr in 78 after being introduced by mutual friends. Years later, Marr showed up at his doorstep asking if he was interested in forming a band. And he mentioned at the time that he was impressed by his New York Dolls book. Stephen Pomfret, yeah, Stephen, Steve Pomfret, sorry, was the original bassist, but was soon replaced by Dale Hibbert. Morrissey chose the name The Smiths, saying that it was the most ordinary name, and it was time that ordinary people showed their faces. Mm. Yeah. No snap. It's <laughs> legit. Along with their own songs, they covered The Cookies, I Want a Boy for My Birthday. They, <laughs> the Cookies. They, Sounds adorable. Yeah, it does. <laughs> he liked how the New York Dolls deliberately transgressed the norms or established roles of gender and sexuality in music, so they kind of tried to adapt the same thing to their band. The band recorded their first demo in August of 1982. Mike Joyce joined the band in 82 as the drummer. So they started playing live and submitting their work to labels. It all happened pretty quickly for them. Hibbert left the band at this time because he was unhappy with the band's perceived gay aesthetic. Oh. So Mars' friend Andy Work replaced him. After being turned down by EMI and Factory Records, Jeff Travis from Rough Trade Records, which is who they you know, eventually signed with, mm-hmm. agreed to put out their song Hand in Glove, which was released in 1983. <coughs> And quickly caught the attention of DJ John Peel, which resulted in they recorded their live um, Peel session, and that got them their first interviews with some of the the popular magazines at the time. Awesome. Yeah, and that also um, encouraged Rough Trade to to sign them in 1983. So they released their debut album, Hatful of Hollow, in 1984. And some of the songs, um, well, at least it was kind of mentioned that this was the the standout of the album. They played like mini movies, um, specifically Charming Man, The Night Has Opened My Eyes. So in 1985, they released Meet is Murder, where Morrissey took a huge stand against animal cruelty, which I he guess has was never rare stopped. At the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it he's a big. to intensify. Peter guy. I think one of my favorite Hard Times articles that they ever put out was, um, I would for anyone that doesn't know what the Hard Times is, it's a Onion-esque, like, fake news site that's funny. Um, and it was like, Morrissey cancels trip to Whole Foods because they refused to not sell meat that day. Well, <laughs> one, uh, one of my friends was working um, in an office that had, um, I guess, this kind of famous recording studio above it. And just, like, last year... Morrissey was going to be there and so they sent out this memo to everybody in her office which was a completely separate business but um, you know musicians would kind of like walk through that area to get to the upstairs Uh, they sent out a memo about Morrissey being there that week and like nobody was allowed to eat meat uh, in their lunches or like keep it in the building at all they had this leather couch that they had to move out um, because he didn't want any any type of animal product in the building. Um, Did they have so, to like like uh, not wear leather shoes? Also, yep, yep. No wearing leather. No wearing fur. Um, yeah, no meat products. Uh, so I guess her company just decided it was a huge hassle, and they just told like their office to work from home that day. <laughs> <laughs> not surprising. Yeah. 
He even boycotted touring in Canada for a while because of the annual, um, which he called the barbaric seal hunt. Mm. So, and he wouldn't buy any goods from Canada for a while. He finally did tour again in 2018. Morrissey, the only person that has a real problem with Canada. I know, like, right? <laughs> <laughs> he also canceled an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel after finding out that the episode would also include guests from um, Duck Dynasty. Oh. So, <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, yeah, but probably for probably for different reasons, right? <laughs> also made some pretty horrific um, claims about China. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so calling them subspecies because of um, some of the the animals that are practices and yeah wow in there so mm-hmm. yes yeah i feel like every vegan i know is like not a dick yeah you know so it's like it's like the extreme just kind of gives it a bad name <laughs> i think he's pro- he was probably encouraged to kind of use that a little bit i don't know he does take it a little extreme but um you wonder how much pressure is put on them sometimes oh yeah no to, for sure i mean it's yeah, cool to I have mean, something that you're like condemning definitely like, like standing up for and the fact that he's famous enough, I guess, to like have people not just be like, no, fuck you. Yeah. When he's like making these like requests, like good for him, I guess. Yeah. Like not hating on any vegans out there, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a vegan. I was to say, like, I'm looking at one right now. <laughs> so after that, they had two lengthy U.S. tours, um, which was in 1985. The band started recording The Queen is Dead, but the release was delayed for a year and a half due to a legal dispute with Rough Trade Records. The band wanted to switch to EMI at the time because they felt like, you know, Rough Trade just wasn't big enough to help them expand the way that they wanted to. But um, they still had, yeah, they had a four record contract with them, so they had one more record to, to finish with them after this one. So they ended up having to hold off on signing with EMI. Mars drinking at the time um, started to increase and the rest of the band was feeling really burnt out and started drifting apart. One thing I did want to mention, um, he kind of had a strict rule about drugs and drinking while they were um, in the band and on tour Mm -hmm. and even like sleeping around. He was celibate at the time. So it said that he thought it would keep him out of trouble and more focused on the music. All right. So Rourke, <laughs> it, like I'm, I'm, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, Rourke did start using heroin, so he was fired from the band and replaced by Craig Gannon. He was quickly allowed back after he started dealing with his habit, and the band became a five-piece, so Gannon started playing guitar for him. So they had a rhythm guitarist as well. And let's see. Okay, Queen, The Queen is Dead was viewed by fans and critics as their most successful album. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and you start to hear about Morrissey having a rough relationship with Jeff Travis from the label, and on that album, The Queen is Dead, he wrote the song, um, Frankly, Mr. Shankly, about him. Oh, and another kind of interesting fact, since we're actually going to talk about this song in a little bit, he didn't want to include There Was a Light That Never Goes Out on the album because he didn't think that it had, um, he didn't think it was strong enough and had enough appeal, which is funny because yeah. it's, you know, one of their... I think, I think that has something to do with, um, it's either that song or the song that follows it on the album. Um, I can't remember, but Mm -hmm. there's like a weird fade out in the beginning. I think like they had said that they purposely like messed it up because they didn't want it to be recorded or (laughs) didn't want it included on the album. 
It's because it's predicting the death of Princess Di. Yes. <laughs> you know, of all the all the um, lyrical dissection, everything that they do on this on this website that I'm going to talk about, that one probably makes the most sense. Uh, yeah. So you know, we'll, we'll we'll go over. That. I have no idea about any of it. I've, I've been conveniently in the dark about this website, so I cannot <laughs> wait to hear about this. Well. All right. Oh well. So at the time, Mar decided to break take the <laughs> Mar decided to take a break in 1987 due to exhaustion. Um, media started rumors of the band splitting, and some actually assumed that Morrissey started the rumors himself. So Mar quit the band due to this. Um, said that he kind of wanted to pursue other avenues as well. Their album Strange Ways, There We Came, was released two weeks after the band completely split. Because after that, they you know they couldn't really keep it going. He didn't want to replace him. So then the band wasn't all in the same room together for 10 years, which in 1996, the members took Morrissey and Marr to court over royalty, over a royalty dispute. Um, even though Morrissey and Marr wrote the majority of the music, the rest of the band wanted more than their promised 10% for um, playing on all the records. They wanted that increase to an equal 25%. So um, it was Rourke and Joyce so they both settled out of court. Rourke settled for 44,000 pounds and Joyce settled for 1 million pounds because he actually pursued the case a little bit longer. So kind of the... <laughs> the one know, guy got screwed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was sad too because he was talking about how at the time like he just got married and you know hadn't had a lot of financial luck at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, he really could have used the money. Right. But I do... You know, it's hard to say because if you are writing... The songs, maybe you do get a little bit more for that. I don't know. It's hard to say, but... I guess it just depends on the band. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like... I don't know. Like, there's definitely some bands where... I get... I won't get into it. I I guess, like, yeah, like, the songwriting is very interesting band per band. Like, who actually contributes, who doesn't. Like, if it's autonomous or if it's just, like, one person that writes everything and tells everybody else what to play. Yeah. Like, Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about his, you know, very long solo career because the song and or the album that we're talking about is from, you know, the Smiths and not just Morrissey's private stuff. So um, I had a friend that that mentioned to me one time. He was like, oh, on your on your podcast, you're going to. Like, please tell me that you're going to do the Morrissey and Princess Diana conspiracy. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so he sends me a link to this website that uh, is outlining um, every coincidence, every possible connection between uh, the Queen is Dead album and the death of Princess Diana, um, saying that Morrissey like predicted it. Um, and yeah, it was kind of funny because when um, when he like sent me the website, the little thumbnail uh, picture for the link, it had like it was like a little photo collage with like Morrissey and Princess Diana, and then there was uh, Jane Mansfield, and I thought it was Anna Nicole Smith at first, <laughs> like from a distance. And I was like, "Holy shit! How is this gonna get? Like, this is gonna be so great." I but never read into any of them Jane Mansfield stuff to see why it that was, was. Yeah, they kind of so the too. the way that. Um, 
that this website is set up. It's very like GeoCities, Angel Fire-esque. Uh, 1995 you know, website. Design-wise. <laughs> design like, there wasn't a guest book, though. I looked to see if I could maybe like oh. leave, a little, leave a little note. But, is that a or like one of those counters. Three years yeah. to set that up, too, which is crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. I feel like it would take me three years to set up a website because I have no idea yeah, I don't even what I'm do doing. So, um, so yeah, he, he sends me this link. I kind of start going through. Um, it is... I mean, it's got all these different subsections for like, um, you know, it starts with the album cover, the inner sleeve, the different singles from the album, um, every song, lyrics, um, a lot of other extra. It's it's just it's a lot. So, um, uh, you know, I, I did my best to kind of go through and just pull what was interesting or relevant or not too, you know, long winded. Um, so the uh, the introduction that they had there was about how. Uh, Morrissey and Johnny Marr met uh, in 1978, as you had mentioned. Um, they actually met at a Patti Smith concert on August 31st, 1978. Uh, 19 years later, on August 31st, uh, Princess Diana was killed in a car crash. <laughs> the coincidence. Oh, and that's just the beginning. Um, I feel and, like I'm just going to laugh a lot. And also, yeah. <laughs> I know that our... Uh, I know our listeners can't see this photo, but I'm going to show it to you guys and kind of try to paint a picture for you here. We might um, post it on our Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. So there's Morrissey and Johnny Marr when they first <laughs> met. Um, <laughs> so Morrissey does not have his like signature, uh, what is the hairstyle? I think it's like called a quiff. Yeah. A quiff. It's like a pompadour, Cloth. but more like oh, yeah. out yeah. front. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's actually got this kind of... Uh, he kind of looks like he belongs on the uh, on the replacements album cover for yeah. Let It Be, like kind of that like feathery big hair with like the bangs, kind of like Robert Smith, but like a little tamer. Oh yeah, uh, you know that that type of thing. Um, and then Johnny Marr just kind of looks like somebody's Uncle Todd going to a NASCAR race in <laughs> 1981. <laughs> <He does a laughs> like, <laughs> also, yes. so young. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they met, fourteen. Maybe, yeah, maybe, 15 oh, okay. maybe cousin Todd, not Uncle Todd. Huh? I said maybe maybe since yeah. he's so young, I'd be like cousin oh, okay. Todd, not Uncle Todd. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, there's that photo. We'll put that up somewhere. Um, all right, so yeah, I just kind of started going through each section. Um, the uh, the first one was about the album cover. Um, so the album cover was you know the Smiths always had those those album covers that were very similar. It was like kind of like the black and white photos mm -hmm. of just random people like portraits yeah. yeah um so the guy that was on the cover of the queen is dead is actor alan delon uh oh, yeah. he appeared in one film in 1986 the same year as the the album uh called le passage le, le passage i don't know <laughs> le passage um he stars as a character named uh, Jean Diaz, which, spoiler alert, if you're going to watch Le Passage, uh, in the movie, he dies in a car crash. Uh, <laughs> so their, their connection for this was uh, it's the only film ever where he played a character whose name contains all the letters needed to spell Diana. <laughs> <laughs> and the first person to announced the death of Princess Diana like on television um, was a reporter named Alan uh, Pavi. They have kind of a weird uh, uh, Alan Elaine A-L-A-I-N yeah. so it's like the same spelling for, for both of them so that's the that's the big connection with that. Um, uh, you had mentioned Jane Mansfield. Um, yeah. they, they kind of 
um, a lot of people kind of draw some parallels between Diana and Jane Mansfield um, because they were both killed in car crashes, you know, world-famous women. They were around the same age, um, you know, they were killed along with their boyfriend and their driver. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this website does, I swear at the end of every section it had some type of, like, it had, like, a section at the bottom that was repeating a lot of the same stuff, I feel like, about, yeah. <laughs> about Jane Mansfield. So, um so I did. I did pull one of one of those uh, connections, and it's also pretty long-winded. So, like, once I get through this, you guys will understand why I couldn't couldn't deal with outlining every single thing. So, all right, here we go. So, the Susie and the Banshees song "Kiss Them for Me" is about Jane Mansfield. It was number one on Billboard's Modern Rock chart for several weeks, and was preceded by. The song Get the Message by Electronic, which was co-written by Johnny Marr. On the cover of the Kiss Them For Me single, Susie Sue is posed laying on a bed with her eyes closed, uh, looking glam. It was um, similar to a pose in a famous Jane Mansfield photo. If you line up the inner sleeve of the Queen is Dead, there's a photo of uh, this Allen guy again where he appears to be um, like dragging a body. If you line it up with Kiss Them For Me, it looks like he's dragging Susie, a.k.a. Jane, a.k.a. <laughs> the connection with Diana. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like it's like a repeat of, like, how the people that were, like, getting fucked with by the Church of Scientology were, like, finding the connections yeah. and everything. I feel mm-hmm. like that's like this. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It does um, sound similar. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. Um, so the, the other thing with this with this website is I didn't really do any like fact checking with with some yeah. of their claims just because I mean you know this is just what they believe is fact and we're just talking about this website so you know if you want to check those things on your own time <laughs> um, because I, I found this kind of like interesting little uh, little. Uh, trivia uh the queen is dead was uh the title is named after a chapter in the novel last exit to brooklyn the book begins with a bible verse that's equating the death of man with the death of animals and i guess diana was actually buried on land that was used as a pet cemetery for a long time so Hmm. it's kind of tranquil like she wanted to be like with the with the animals oh my god now i'm just thinking of the book though i know (laughs) (laughs) oh the things that could have happened no (laughs) there's a remake of the movie coming out i saw that Mm -hmm. uh another uh (laughs) another little little uh (laughs) miscellaneous connection that they had that wasn't uh related to any part of the album because like i said it was kind of broken down into like the the cover, the inner sleeve, this song, this song, mm. that sort of thing. Um, Sorry, I'm still laughing about the thought of, like, zombie Diana. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there have only been two women named Diana to appear on the cover of Time magazine, Princess Diana and actress Diana Manners in 1926. Manners died on June 16th, 1986, which is the release date of The Queen is Dead. <laughs> um, so That's then, a little, a little bit of a stretch. But. Yeah. Oh, there are there are many. There's a lot of reaching going on yeah. here. Like, really yeah, I feel like all of it is reaching. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So, um, there was, um, so like I said, there was an entire section devoted to um, kind of dissecting the lyrics, but also um, they would um, go through. They they would post the lyrics and highlight 
all the lines where there are letters that spell out Diana. But oh I mean, God, that's yes. Yeah, I, I could find any word. Yeah, I mean, it could be a, a D at the end of this, and then you know, like yeah. f- like fifteen words later, oh, there's an I. <laughs> you know, like nothing, uh, nothing crazy there. But they have or crazy, crazy the fact that they like took the time to do. That. Oh yeah, every single instance, kind of like every photos every and... lyric. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I did find kind of interesting is uh, the 13th word on side one that uh, Morrissey sings is arches. The 13th word on side two is smash. Diana's car smashed into arches formed by the support pillars of the underpass. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm going to hell for laughing about that. I know. <laughs> um, there... Oh, and there was this there was this movie that came out in 1992 called No Place to Hide. Um, there's a scene where one of the characters is holding a CD copy of The Queen is Dead. Um, the film shows a woman's fatal car crash not long after that scene. Ooh. <laughs> um, before the, the opening song on The Queen is Dead, the title track, there is a clip of the song Take Me Back to Dear Old Blighty, which is a song about soldiers stationed in France wishing to go back to England. Uh, Diana was was killed in Paris and her body was returned to Blighty, England. Mm. I know these, these rules. <laughs> Every time I read one of these, I'm just like, oh. Like, yeah. how long is this website? Oh, there's a lot. It's It took me... Days. A, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of tries to get through it, yeah. That's so awesome. Um, that, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, whoever made this website, does, did they give their name? I, you know, by the end of it, I was just like, I don't even know anymore. Um, well, I'm very impressed with their dedication to letting the world know about every single coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then when it started going through some of the lyrics, um, uh, and how they were, you know, related or or predicting that I, um, I kind of just tried to pull some that I thought either almost kind of made sense or just were kind of interesting. Um, the song, Frankly, Mr. Shankly, which you already went over yeah. what that's about. Um, but there's a line, fame, fame, fatal fame. It can play hideous tricks on the brain. Um, it was well known in, in interviews and, and things like that, that uh, Diana suffered some um, psychological trauma from, you know, the fame and from like paparazzi. Uh, paparazzi yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, a stretch, but it's, it's Well, and then it's also like the fact that they were like being chased by paparazzi and it ultimately led to And that's death. what happened. Yeah. 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 And uh, then another line is, but still I'd rather be famous than righteous or holy any day. Uh, she actually died five days before Mother Teresa. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I guess I remember when both of them died, but I, I, I didn't think that it was that it was so close together. So, um, And then kind of continuing on that, the song I Know It's Over, uh, there's a line, Oh, Mother, I can feel the soil falling over my head. Um, so Mother Teresa died on the eve of Princess Diana's burial. Like, ah, symbolic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a light that never goes out. I think that one kind of made the most sense because it is about a car crash. Yeah. Um, uh, And it was actually the only Smith single to be released exclusively in France, um, you know, where she she was killed. Um, The Flame of Liberty Monument a light that never goes out, um, was constructed in France in 1987 above the underpass where, where Diana was killed 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ended up kind of becoming like an unofficial shrine to her. Did you see the part about, um, to where they talk about the Alma underpass? Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's see. 
Oh, alma matters. Okay, so this is a. So this is a. Wait, what is alma matters? Is it a? It was. Is it a Morrissey record? Yeah, he. Let me see. Okay, yeah. So just weeks before her death, he released a single. Um, and it had Alma, it was called Alma Matters, and that's actually the underpass which she died. <gasps> okay, um, I, yeah, so, I didn't know the name of the yeah, underpass. Yeah, there's so that many is... of these little threads. Um, <laughs> I also think it's really funny that the the website's called dianamystery.com. So, yeah. is that the one that you were looking at? Yep, okay. that's the one. <laughs> and I, I tried to do a, a Google search for it um, instead of clicking the link from from yeah. uh, the message that I had gotten from, from the friend at a... Uh, you know, so I just like typed into Google and like it doesn't come up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um so uh I guess this person was also uh you know thinking everybody wanted to know, well like how is it that, that Morrissey could have predicted this? You know, what is yeah. uh what what kind of power does he hold here? Um Apparently, in 1980, and this um, was in a quote from a, like a Smith's uh, uh, biography, uh, Morrissey saw a fleet of flying saucers. <laughs> this event had strange effects on him. Wait, fleet of flying saucers. <laughs> That's like the best band name. Yeah. <laughs> F-O-F-S. Fofs. Yeah. Fleet of flying saucers. It's like... You think you're going to say fleet foxes, but no, <laughs> fleet of flying saucers. Yes. A lot less sad. <laughs> All the songs probably. are about Mars text. No, yeah. I'm just um, so yeah, this, uh, apparently this was a thing that happened and it had a lot of strange effects on him, uh, mm. including predicting the death of Diana, I guess. Um, uh, I also <laughs> so, saw that. So his flying, <laughs> so his, him seeing. <laughs> A fleet of flying saucers. God, that's like so fun. Abilities. <laughs> yeah. So apparently they like definitely the like uh, made their presence known to enlighten him that he had the power of predicting famous people's deaths. Wow. That's that is absolutely one thousand percent what happened. That's <laughs> I, I believe I believe the story a hundred percent. So um, and then it also said that in nineteen forty six. The first experiment transmitting signals between Earth and space was conducted. Does anybody want to guess what this project was called? Diana? Diana. Oh, <laughs> Project <shit>. Diana. <laughs> oh, shit. Now I'm just getting, like, flashbacks to the movie Contact. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me just read it. Okay, all right. If, uh, if this isn't enough to convince you, go back to the Smith single, There's a Light That Never Goes Out. We're going to go back to that for a second. The lyrics are about two young lovers driving in a car late at night who fantasize about getting killed together. The song also mentions a darkened underpass and ends with Morrissey gently repeating, There is a light that never goes out. There is a light that never goes out was never released as a single, except for France, where it went on release in early 1987. Okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah it was just, that's so weird, because that's just such a well-known, Yeah. you know, but I feel like, I don't know, singles are kind of weird with, like, British bands, like, a lot of times it's like, you know, here's the single, it's not even on, like, any album, everybody releases singles collections, Yeah. And so I guess that's just how things are. It's fascinating. <laughs> Very. I know in a 1984 interview, he talked about his fascination with Oscar Wilde, James Dean, and Bill Fury. And when they asked him, you know, why he said that, because they were all doomed creatures that had immense success, their lives all ended sadly, 
And you said it had inexplicable appeal for him, which kind of, I, I think that would also work for Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely fits in with that group, but... Morrissey loves James Dean. Mm-hmm. I love the video for Suede Head where he goes to, uh, what's the name of his hometown? That's in oh, Manchester? Indiana. Not Manchester. Um, Fairmount? Fairmount, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, James Dean. Yes, okay. yes, okay. James okay. Dean. Uh, I, know so, a, yeah. I know a girl that's related to James Dean. Really? Huh. Yeah, Megan. If you guys oh, to the that's museum. right. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, I, I went there uh, with a friend because we were like, oh, yeah, let's just like, we've never <laughs> been there. Morrissey was there. And like, actually, there's a record store there that has um, like a photo collage on the wall that's like, Morrissey was here. And it has all the, <laughs> the pictures of him, like the, the photographs of him, like shooting the video and stuff. And they're just like cool. the taken out of the envelope from Walgreens, like original like <laughs> photos. Yeah. It's kind of yes. cool. Um, yeah. No, my favorite part of that video, he's like, uh, he's like playing bongos in a field of cows. <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> he really lo- he really loves those cows. Yeah, the cows are pretty cute. They are cute. They are. They're, He's they're just like soothing them with. Cute. The cutest cow I've ever seen in my life is in this like three second shot in the movie Wild Hearts Cannot Be Broken, like that <laughs> Disney film about the girl that rides horses off the into <laughs> pools. But there's like. Just at the beginning, there's like this really cute cow, and I'm like, <laughs> the fact that I know when it is in the movie, and that I still know after all these years. So that you have a favorite cow. It's like, it's favorite the, food, favorite color, favorite cow of all time. Favorite cow Go. of all time. It's and he's just like, <laughs> and he's like, Ooh, like, fell in love with cows because of that cow specifically. So if you're ever like, I'm gonna watch Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. <laughs> I remember watching a lot of that though. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Did you guys watch the the episode of Black Mirror um, called uh, Hang the DJ? Mm-mm. Okay, yeah, because, um, you know, Morrissey's song, but um, it's, I don't know, you have to watch it, but it's really, it's one of my favorite episodes. Do you guys watch that at all? I don't. I've oh watched, gosh. I watched a couple so of the good. episodes. I watched, like, the, the one with the pig and uh oh yeah that one's weird yeah yeah that was like the first everyone's like, told me to watch episode. it but i'm waiting till like there's like a month where somebody doesn't tell me to watch it and then yeah. i'll start it i don't I know why i made Rebel. the mistake of telling um like the owner of my company's son because we were talking about mr robot and i was like oh you might like black mirror it's pretty dark and i, I sent him an email later saying you know warning don't watch the first episode first mm-hmm. watch the second episode and go back because it's the you know the pig um one and he didn't read that, so then he oh, and his girlfriend no. thought I was like super weird after that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so there was a issue of Pop Magazine in 1998. The uh, the interviewer asked Morrissey what his reaction was upon hearing about the death of of Princess Diana, and he said it was so predictable; it was expected. Oh, snap. I wonder if that's when the spark for the author of this website was like, oh, maybe he knew. He's he had knew. like a long hatred of the monarchy as well. So I wonder if it was mm-hmm. because, you know, yeah. he thought maybe they had something to do with it. Cause I know that was, you know, a big opinion at the time. Cause I know my mom, she was like super into that whole thing. And yeah. oh, she yeah. loved Princess Diana. A lot of people, man, like I work at a hair salon and people still talk about it. Like yeah. it's a thing. Like, oh, yeah. and people are like obsessed with like her children and like, well, the yeah. royals just in general, but they're right. like the next generation. But it's like every time there's like something about uh, her kids, like it mentions her. 
Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Diana would be so proud. It's like well, that, you don't constantly know. Constantly pictures online too, where they compare like an outfit that Kate or Megan is wearing to like something that Diana wore mm-hmm. in the yeah. past, like saying like, "Oh, you know, inspired by Diana." And you're like, yeah, "They probably they you know, probably just didn't went shopping that. and didn't like yeah, and like memorize the entire wardrobe catalog right. of their like <laughs> like uh, deceased mother-in-law." Like yeah. And then I just like like every time I go to the grocery store and like look at the cover of National Enquirer, like. Every every time I, I just glance at it for probably the last like five years, like the queen's always on the cover, like uh, yeah. looking real pissed about something. <laughs> it's legit. <laughs> I, I remember know. reading, you know, about her death that there was a power surge because everybody turned on their television, mm-hmm. you know, starting at like four a.m. Mm-hmm. when they started broadcasting and their tea kettles because you know they were just glued to their TVs after seeing that you know that happened to her. I thought that was kind of interesting. There was a power surge because everybody's tea everybody's TV and tea, and tea kettles were on at the same time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of vaguely remember. Um, I was only like nine when that happened. I was like so. in sixth grade, and I guess I didn't really understand. Like, I didn't really follow royalty. Yeah, at that age. I, only, I guess I wasn't really. The only thing I knew about Princess Di, like when she died, um, because I was like only in sixth grade, was like we had been making fun of the way that she waved for a really long time. Oh. And then I was like, oh, that that's the person. But that's all I knew. I remember her um, hair style was pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of known as a fashion I um, totally icon. had that haircut in kindergarten. Not going <laughs> to lie. My mom chopped all my hair off. I know my mom like followed the divorce pretty thoroughly too. Really? Um, yeah, because it was pretty sad because he had been having an affair on right you know, on her yeah. for a long time, yeah. and she married him really young and mm-hmm. was actually really in love with the guy. So it was you know kind of a tragic story, and it's funny too because she did you guys ever watch or read about um, the Duchess or what's her name? Um, Georgiana Cavendish. Mm-mm. She was a relative of yes. Princess Diana's, and they had like kind of the you know, the same story where, you know, they married young to like a terrible person Mm -hmm. and then it ruined their lives. She did. She died young, but she didn't die as as young as princess die. So crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was just kind of like, it's like, huh, this Elton John song is pretty powerful. This must be a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I didn't really know who she was. Oh, and she has a beanie baby. <laughs> I, okay, I definitely... Can did we talk have, about that did, beanie baby for a second? Did you have the yeah. Princess Di beanie I baby? Did. I, I didn't had, know this existed. Okay, so this is like what brought down the value of beanie babies. Like, it is the Princess Di beanie baby. So huh. they made a limited release, right? And then they ended up making more after they said that it would only be limited. So yeah. all these people were paying like a shit ton of money for this <laughs> stupid beanie baby, right? But then they like released like another like couple thousand of them. So then everybody was like, well, was it the first, was it the original one? Was it not? Blah, blah, blah. Like, and so like, because of that, everybody's like, well, this is not <coughs> an investment anymore. This is, these are worthless. And that's why like, the, oh. it literally is responsible for like the stop. Because Beanie Babies were just like, people were like oh, buying them like for were. like, oh, I will invest in this for my kid's college fund, like a yeah. stupid like toy. Mm-hmm. And it's literally the Princess Diana Beanie Baby that brought the downfall of so it all. did it look like her? No, it was purple and it had it a white rose on it. Because it was still it was like the bear. bear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I, I didn't know if maybe they did something creepy in it. I'm pretty sure we just sold mine at the garage sale <laughs> when my parents sold their house. And I'm pretty sure I did have one of the original ones. That they're like, this goes for thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like, no, they, you can list it for that on eBay. No one's paying that. No one cares. Yeah. I, uh, 
when when Beanie Babies were popular, like there there was kind of a limited amount of places that sold them. Like there was really nowhere like around my house. It was a lot of those like Hallmark stores and stuff that yeah. were kind of out like like Southwest and like mm-hmm. um, bookstores and stuff that would sell them. And so and like the only place in the mall that sold them was Rustic Hutch. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, like and my parents were like this is stupid and they're expensive, which it's kind of weird because they were like $5. Yeah, I don't think I had any. Yeah, I had, well, so my mom would take us to the Coles at Southtown Mall, rest in peace, and they had like the knockoff Beanie Babies. They were actually, some of them were a little bit cuter. They were, yeah. I definitely, and they were like two for five or something. I definitely so. like had a lot of them, but I would like save up my allowance and mm-hmm. then like when we'd go to the mall, I'd buy them and feel really cool. I still have one. Um, it's actually on my bar cart because it's a snake. Oh, and yeah. it looks really funny. And I think I have another one too. But when I was selling all the Beanie Babies at this garage sale, like literally like a year ago, so very recent, um, I was like, I don't want to get rid of these because they're so ridiculous. So I only kept two out of like 30, but yeah, it's my Beanie Baby story. I still have all <laughs> my old um, Thundercats action figures. Yes. I won't get rid of them ever. No. I love Same. them. I bet those are maybe. Yeah, they might be. Worth. They seem like the Disney VHS. Um, mm-hmm are worth a lot of money now too. I don't know if that's just a lie, but I have all those too. I don't know what happened to ours. I think my sister probably has them. <laughs> yeah, I think they were sold many garage sales ago. Yeah. What I liked more than Beanie Babies, I liked um, like Tamagotchis and Giga Pets. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I felt like, I remember like when we were flying to California, I felt like a badass walking around the Chicago airport because I had um, like on my belt loop, I had probably like 14 of them. Were they all alive or did they you They were them? all alive. See, yeah, I, I I kept those bitches alive. They're like back now too. There's a guy that's had one since like the original, um, <laughs> like the first release of them, and it's still alive. Yeah. How did the battery not die? I don't know. I'm gonna call bullshit. There's no it, way. It might not be true. It, it could. It could. I just mean, be it could be on the story. same life, but like, because you could. There's just, just no the way. Like, if be? my Ricky Martin Probably. keychain <laughs> <laughs> dies like as fast as it does, because I had one. That was like the one, two, three, blah, 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 Maria. And I'd just like play it every time. Like I'd be like walking to a house show and it's like all these punk rockers and be like, all right, guys. And then just like blast the Ricky Martin and people would get so pissed. Um, but that thing died after like two months. Well, and, then, and, then, and then Lindsay got me one for my birthday. I found um, it on eBay for like $11, but it does not play the same Ricky Martin song. No, it's a different it's, one. It's Cup of Life instead. But um, that one only lasted me two months as well, which is very unfortunate. I still have it, though, in case I ever remember to get batteries for it. Yeah. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those little keychains were weird, and they were like so, the sound quality was so terrible. But the best. <laughs> All right, so uh, (laughs) do you guys think that Morrissey predicted the death of Princess Diana? No, not even a little bit. Do you? I think every single... No, No, me neither. Just, you know, slight coincidences with some of these, you know, stuff that they picked out. I think a lot of it's reaching. I feel like my biggest takeaway from today is the fleet of flying saucers. (laughs) Also, he... While he is kind of a private guy, he's also pretty outspoken about certain things and definitely likes to brag about how, you know, smart he is and kind of, you know, how wonderful he is in some certain situations. So I feel like if he did predict that, he would be all about saying that, you know, oh, yeah, and I, I predicted that. Right. It's not like he was <laughs> responsible for it or yeah. anything. He just, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of don't even really know, like, how well-supported these theories are. If it's just kind of this one person with their website, I don't really know. Uh, I'm just, like, really whole... happy that it exists. Mm-hmm. 
I think if you picked any, you know, event and picked a, an album of a band, I think that you could probably find something. How do you think that they came up with this? Like, like, do you think they were just like listening to the album? The Probably. night that Princess Diana died, and they were like super oh, stoned. There was a story about that actually. Not that, but Not that. keep going. <laughs> but I'm like wondering if that's because like, like oh man, I just ripped this huge one, whatever. And then like then they're like, oh dude, this song. <gasps> I bet there's other things. Like I'm <laughs> sure like it had to have something like that. Like I just don't see like and if. If the author of this website is listening and you are not a stoner, like I totally, that's cool. That's cool. I'm just trying to like get in your head and yeah, that's all I can come up with. They, you know, went to the record store before her death and they were trying to buy an album of the Smiths and they didn't have it, but they did have the Queen is Dead. So they bought it and they'd been listening to it on repeat and then she died. And they, you know, saw the kind of the similarity between the, you know, there's a light that never goes out mm-hmm. and her death. And then they just kind of started looking into a little bit more and finding other connections. So yeah. It became an obsession, I guess. That's legit. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, that's crazy. Yeah. So that concludes our, um, discussion on <laughs> whether or not Morrissey predicted the death of princess Diana. Uh, we also have an Instagram page now, so you can follow us, our music oddcast. Yep. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. <laughs>